Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Martin, for those of you who don't know me. And um, I'd like to welcome Clyde Rigney and his wife Rose here. Um, Clive is a, uh, a highly respected elder in the Naranjeri community and in the mainstream community down in the Murray lands. And um, that's a difficult bridge to straddle, um, but I can say that he's highly regarded. Um, Clyde and I first started working, uh, if I do the maths on it, it's one year short of a third of a century ago. Um, Clive and I both started working at the age of four and um, uh, we were early bloomers and um, we just look old now. Um, uh, he's highly regarded. Craig Schultz has particular respect for him because he remembers Clyde's prowess on the football field. And, um, uh, but Craig's not here to talk about it this morning. Uh, Clyde actually hails from Ralkin. So if I talk about Ralkin, who here knows where Ralkin is? Less than a handful of people. You, you know where Ralkin is because you lived there. That, um, less than a handful of people. Who here ever carries a $50 note in their pocket? No. Yes. You know, I didn't think Graham was that stingy, but... Uh, <laughs> if you carry a $50 note in your pocket, whose face is that on there? The bloke? David? Um, it's David Uniton, who was a Nut and Jerry man who came... Uh, I thought he was born in Taylor Bend, am I right? And he was raised in Ralkin? I got it wrong. Okay, he was born in Ralkin and raised in Ralkin. I got that right, thanks very much. Uh, he, was, he was an author, an inventor, and a preacher. And this is the newest version of the 51, they had a different one on the old one, but in there on the clear bit, there's an image of the church that sits at the center of the Ralkin community which is about, um, it's about 45 k's, about half an hour on from Meningi. Mm -hmm. um, so Clyde's already spoken this morning at the nine o'clock service, so I just think it should be particularly acknowledged that he left home for church this morning at seven o'clock before anyone else did, and uh, has driven a couple of hours to get up here. So we, we appreciate that and acknowledge that. Um, this morning, we've invited to speak on the topic of reconciliation. And uh, for some of you who may not know, it was actually Reconciliation Week several weeks ago. Um, and I was worried that Clyde would think that at Allgate Baptist here that we, we're late. We're never late here at Allgate Baptist. <laughs> we're, Clyde, we're just early for next year. So we got in before anyone else in for 2022. So over to you, Clyde. And... Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, um, it's really good that we spoke this morning. Um, now I can change some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of um, introduce myself through my language. So just um, bear with me. So, Ninti Nankri, Nanawi Michi, Clyde, Ngapi Ngarangiri Korni, Rakanendi, 
Yapping all the Andu, Konganyanan, Garanjiri Ruwank, Ramanjiri Rui, Kata, Paltang, Komrank, Mutis Chenton, Tangani Rui, Karank, Yarali Rui, Muptaluang, Pomrok, Nargi Murundi, Paramank, Mutis Rui. So it would be wrong of me not to translate that <laughs> in the in 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 um, uh, importance of reconciling things and so i started by saying good day how are you <laughs> my name is clyde uh, i'm a ngadanjiri man from raukan i'll show you on the map in a minute and i welcome you to listen to me speak from a ngadanjiri man's perspective on um on Ngaranjiri, uh, Ramanjiri, Tangani, Yaroli, Paramount land and waters, our country um, that I'm connected to. Um, Kango Island, uh, or I said Kata, that's the name of it in our language, or Poltang, Victor the name of Victor in our language. Um, uh, on the ocean, Ainmash Island, uh, or Kumarang in our language, our grandmother's place of rest where my grandmothers uh, were buried, are buried. Um, the places of the Kurong or Karang in our language, which is that long neck of water, like 90 mile long. <laughs> it's a long neck, it's Karang. Um, Murray Bridge, uh, I said Muptalwong, uh, Aben for the birds, um, and place for crossing Pomuk, uh, crossing of the Murray River or Murundi. And Adelaide Hills, my great-grandmother's country, um, Grandmother Rachel. And so it's important for me to tell you that in your language so we can reconcile it. So what I said previously, now we're, we're all on the same page, now we, we, know within, you know, we know context. And that's the importance of reconciliation. Reconciliation... Uh, brings together what we maybe don't understand or what's been broken and put it back together and enjoy it equally. And uh, that's an interesting, uh, the interesting concept of language. Um, you know, I start speaking my language to you and translating the message and so we reconcile through communication and now we all understand something equally. So reconciliation is really important but being different is important too. It's important to be different. And it's actually, being different is fine. Yeah. Being you is fine. Just like you are, that's fine. Um, speaking your language is fine. Doing your life journey is fine. Being true to yourself is a must your spiritual growth and I don't care how old you are being true to your spiritual journey is really important and so yeah, that's uh, language is really important uh, a little example Rose my wife there and I ran into a fellow by the name of Ta uh, Tony Campola happens to be a Baptist <laughs> um, and he's from Philadelphia, went, uh, was a pro professor at uh, Eastern University. And uh, we met Tony in Adelaide 
some time ago and we shared with him a story about how we were uh, investigating and trying to resurrect our language, our Ngarindjiri language. And, um, and we, we shared with him how we were sort of worshipping Nangai or Father uh, in our uh, language. So we were worshipping God once again with our language because we had to stop using our language for a time. And uh, Tony said to us, oh, I can imagine the father saying, they're those Ngarindjiri are. I haven't heard them for so long. And uh, me and Rose got a little bit, a little bit touched by that remark. We didn't expect it. And we, but we didn't actually think about it because we don't think about our language that way. We, we, you know, we just know that we have language even though it has been you know, interrupted and broken. And, but it helped me to see that I was okay and I was heading in the right direction. That's, that's really important about when we're reconciling things that are maybe broken in our life or have interrupted our life or, you know, we, we you know, relationally maybe, you know, thinking, oh, maybe that's wrong or, you know, maybe I should stop practicing this or that in my life because someone told me that. But, you know, that's important to me. My language is important to me, and so I think about things like uh, my cultural heritage, and I think about the land I, I belong to, and well, I think this has been lengthened now, so I can make it all the way over here without tripping up, and I can show you Ngarindjiri country. So that's my people's country. And there's 18 Lakanjiris or 18 clans, or Lakanjiri. And I'm from the Kanmedan clan. My wife is from the Karatinyara clan. She's mainly a Yarali per, uh, person, uh, but connected with the other main uh, big clans. So down on Victor and all that area, Cape Jervis, Kangaroo Island, is Ramanjiri. On the lakes and the Murray, the Murundi, is Yaoli, and then on the Kurong is Tangani. So I'm Tangani um, through my grandmother's, but Rose is mainly Yaoli, but she has connections with those others. But those those groups are really important. Um, they they are the people of our country, where God intended us to be, where He put us, so where we feel our belonging, like we're singing. Yeah, God's put a place for us. He created that place for us. And so that's really important to know. And so he also has a language for us. And, um, and so that language um, helps us uh, and defines us and also introduces us to the world. So like I said to you in Ngarindjiri, uh, me, uh, you know, like um, Nanoimichi, um, Clyde, so my name is Clyde. Uh, I could also say it to you like this, Mi Kiamau Clyde Etu, which is Italian. You know, my name is Clyde and yours. So it doesn't matter what language you speak, it, dis it tells people where you're from, who your people are, <coughs> where God planned to um, put you. 
and where God intended to um, begin a work with you and, and give you an assignment to do in life. It gives us context. And so what Tony said to us was really important, um, but it also helped me define some things for myself. So when I talk about myself, I'm one person, but I am very connected to where I come from. Um, it's important to my heritage. Um, so um, my father's Narkan, who had Pullum, and Pullum um, had a daughter, married a woman named Minkuluti, uh, which means birds, tears. Um, he had three wives, actually, um, but we're no longer practicing that. <laughs> and Rose is happy with that. <laughs> and, um, but one of his wife, Minkaloti, they had a daughter named Gunjimara. And Gunjimara married a man named Ben. So you see the language has changed at that point. And so Ben then had a son named John. And then John had put a lot of thought into this, had a son named Jonathan. <laughs> and then Jonathan had some boys, but then he had a couple of girls, and one of those girls was Fanny. And Fanny married a fellow by the name of Vernon. And then Vernon had a son, and he named him after himself, Vernon. And then he had a son named Clyde. And so that's my apical ancestry. So. There were seven fathers involved in that. And so it's important for us to know where we come from. Uh, and that, share, that is our shared history. Because we have, sadly, uh, that's been interrupted. And for a long time, um, you know, we, we have lost so much of our um, heritage. And so as a Ngadanjiri citizen from the Tangani clan, from the Korong, um, uh, in my language, uh, we, we have a totem or ngachi, which we call friend. And mine is the Kanmiri, because um, I'm from the Kanmiden clan. Uh, Kanmiri is Korong mullet. I'm sure you all, all, all heard of the Korong mullet. And my wife's uh, ngachi or totem is Nali uh, Kelly, uh, which is wild dog. So, uh, in Australian terms, a wild dog would be a dingo. And so, I'm from a fish group, a wild dog group. Um, I'm glad I can swim. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but we talk about we talk about these aspects of our culture and our heritage all the time, and we teach our kids about that. It's really important. Um, it helps us reconcile our place in the world. And, you know, for a long time, um, I've been thinking about our framework, our cultural framework, and what, why that's important to us. And I teach that now to as many people as I possibly can. So land, and I like, especially with the little kids, I wish they were here, because they, they pick it up really quickly. Like, so, you know, it's really just five fingers, but land, the critical place where we, where we're put, where God puts us, and it's a place of belonging. It's not something we own. 
it's something we belong to. It's a very different mindset. And it's a very different value. And it's a very different belief. We just belong to the land and the land belongs to us. But we never own it. That's interesting, isn't it? And then our language, our language which we speak, which identifies us to the world. And then our law, which really is our values and our beliefs. Yeah? And we set up rules around that so that we live by them. And we all do that. Yeah? According to what we believe and, and uh, you know, what we think is valuable, we, you know, we draw up rules to live by. And so when we go out on that road, there's numbers on the side of the road which tell us how fast we can go in that car. Why do we do that? So it keeps everyone safe. It's a value that we, we apply an action. And if anyone goes against that, Steve, what happens? Or, or get picked up and get fined and get your license taken away and can't get to work and lose your job and it, it just gets worse, doesn't it? But that's why law is really important and law is right in the centre and then there's kinship, our family, our networks where we all learn about what relationship is. We learn everything about how to relate at home. We are shaped by our parents. Then they let us out and the teachers shape us. Then others as we grow older. And then our ceremony that really talks about the things that we celebrate in life. And so those things that we celebrate in life that mean something to us, whether it's a celebration of a newborn life or a celebration of saying goodbye to someone who has just ended their journey on this planet. But everything in between we're celebrating. What we're doing today is ceremonial. What the kids are doing in, with the teachers is a ceremony of celebration of what they do here every Sunday. And that's how we think about our cultural framework. But that cultural framework is not just for the Ngarindji. That cultural framework applies to all of us. We actually practice all of those things ourselves. But we don't think about it that way. We all come from a place, I'm thinking all gates. But I'm sure people travel. And I'm thinking you all speak and communicate together and so you most probably all speak the same language. And I'm thinking you have the same, pretty much the same values and beliefs. And you're a law-abiding citizens in this space. And I'm thinking you're all a family. And you sort of think about this as your maybe church family. And I'm thinking you come to here to celebrate what life is doing with you. And that ceremony, that's the cultural framework in, in action taking place. And we, we love doing that where we're from. But we just do it a little bit differently, but it's the same. But it's different. And so, you know, like, I love, um, you know, the fact that I am different. Um, but I love the fact that I'm part of the human race. One of the things that Uncle David always told me to say this, Uncle David says on the $50 note, you know, the old $50 note, if you look really closely, it says, as a full-blooded member of my race, I think I may claim to be the first, but I hope not the last, to produce an enduring record of our, of our customs, beliefs, and imaginings. 
It's written on the $50 note. And that's what he thought, you know, like he, he was thinking about, you know, like he'd advocate for these things, huh? He'd advocate that we all are true to our customs, our culture. Because we do what we're accustomed to. Yeah? Customs are really important. And our beliefs and our imaginings. What are our imaginings? Our dreams. What do we dream of? You know? We're always dreaming about what we can do, what we can be, what, our what can we do for our children or the next generation. So they're really important things that we all have to reconcile in our lives. And so reconciliation and that, that most important theme for this year is that reconciliation is not just a word, it's an action. And for a long, long time, I struggled with the notion of what that meant for me from a shared history point of view. And I call it shared history because we're all shared in the history of this country, but I don't think we fully understand it well enough. I think we know some things, and um, that's all of us, we all know some things, uh, but we don't know it all. And I'm sharing my Ngaranjiri perspective, and so for, for, for Ngaranjiri, our experience was that from 1788 to 1859, that first 71 years of what we call colonisation, it was a really difficult time for the Ngaranjiri people, especially in that land there. A very rich area, well, plenty of water, plenty of bird life, plenty of fish life, um, you name it, you know. There were whalers on Kangaroo Island, Carter, who were, had found this new land. Um, but there are people living, Ramanjiri people living in Encounter Bay, and you sort of think about, why would they call it Encounter Bay? Listen to the names of places and you soon get an understanding of what happened there. And so, you know, sadly, a lot of encounters happened. A lot of people's lives were taken, men, women and children, from our communities. And, but because we're different, see, sometimes when we're different, we don't understand or we fear what we don't understand. And things happen, things take place. But we don't talk about it really in our schools or in our um, tertiary universities, etc. And we've never talked about it really. We've never talked about those first 71 years. There's a, a place you can go and Google called Frontier Wars and it tells you about maybe some of the most unpalatable things that we'd ever want to look at in regards to who we are or, or the shared history we come from. It's sad, but it's part of truth-telling if we're going to reconcile who we really are and where we're going as a country. And so we also, you know, as Ngadanjidi people understand that there was also this period called protection. So 1859, that little place, Raukan, with the churches, and Raukan means in our language ancient meeting place. So people would come up the Kurong or from Kangaroo Island through the mouth or down the Murundi Murray River and meet at Raukan. So we always had governance. We always had, we're meeting as a group of people. And it's really important to say, you know, before 1788, do you think God was with us here doing stuff? We say, Nangai, Father. Yeah? Uh, so we've always recognised him. We always knew he was the creator. We knew that. And you know, we always worshipped him. It's just that we did it in a different language. And so people didn't understand the language, so they didn't understand that we knew the God that they knew. 
So, you know, th those are the sorts of things that we, if we can reconcile those things, we can live much better together. It's when we don't understand each other that we think we're really different, but we're not. We have more in common than not. But because we don't understand something, we fear it. But what does Nangai or Father say to us? Love casts out all fear. And so you know, that, those two periods, colonization and protection, that, uh, 71 years, and then from 1859 to 1901, and 1901 was what? Federation. And so that was a 42 year period. And then from 1901 to 1967, which was another 66 years, that was what we call the assimilation period. And so if you listen to the language, it tells you what was happening. Assimilation, we were coming, we were becoming, through policy and law, we were becoming much more similar to everyone else. And it was a law. So people at, were applying law so that we would become like each other. And that assimilation period sort of changed my life because I found myself in a in a home up in Shepherdsville Road called Cobra Com, and where a lot of Aboriginal kids went. Because we were becoming much more similar, going to Blackwood Primary. So the whole idea was to make us more, because I'm light, I'm really light-skinned. I've got freckles. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. You know, so these are the things that are happening without us knowing about it. So that's 179 years up until 1967. I'm heading towards my teens. And so, and I don't really know where I fit in society. You know, uh, when you're 15? Remember when you're 15? Remember when you're 15, Karen? <laughs> Remember when you're 15 trying to work out you know, what you're going to be, what you like? Is anyone like me? <laughs> I'm changing. Um, my life is all of a sudden, you know, like something's happening with me. It's called adolescence. <laughs> and we're changing in so many different ways. And, you know, we, for some of us it's a struggle, and for some we've got really good help and really good family supports, and you know, it all makes sense. But that's not the case for everyone. And sadly for me, that wasn't the case for me, and I had a really troubled youth, and I was quite confused about, um, and I couldn't reconcile it. I just couldn't make sense of that, what was happening to me. And I think, you know, like, that's a really important part of reconciliation today. That we don't really understand our shared history. Not that well. We know what we know, but then after that, we sort of don't know much at all. And, you know, Martin, who I worked with, and then, yeah. Uh, Martin met me when I had come through my teens and my drug addiction and my, you know, and then finding God in a shed full of drug addicts, which was a really interesting time. Rose thought I'd lost my mind, um, you know, because I said, I think I had a religious experience tonight. And she sort of helped me to see that I hadn't lost my mind fully, I just found God. Or oh, he found me. 
And um, from that day on, I've been um, really searching, you know, what my assignment in life is. I have four kids, four grandkids. Um, I have you know, my four, uh, um, three of my children got married. My youngest son married a South Korean girl. My youngest daughter married a Fijian. And my oldest son married a New Zealand girl. Uh, so we're quite multicultural, aren't we, Rose? But you know, like we, um, you know, we 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 never knew that. But this is what happened when God gets hold of your life and you allow Him to do things with you, and you you allow Him to show you that, okay, we may be different, but we are all part of His family. We're his children. Yeah? He's made a place for us all. And uh, we're all going to be there one day together. Um, and so what we do here, I think, is sort of like yeah, getting prepared. How do we treat each other as God's kids? How do we reconcile our shared history? How do we treat First Nations people like they don't know God? How do we suggest that they should be on missions and separated from the rest of the community for 179 years? How do we reconcile that? How do we make sense of that? How do we think that we are so much more superior than another group of people? That's really difficult to reconcile. And so sometimes the best thing to do is to just to not worry about it or put it aside and just go on living. But we can't do that, not when we're God's kids. Because he has, he has expectations of us that we would what? We would, we would listen to him. We would love our neighbor as our self. Yeah, and that we would not treat people like that. Because we're all, like Uncle David said, you know, a lot of people think that Uncle David, when he said on the $50 note, you know, as a full-blooded member of my race, a lot of people think he might have been talking about being part of the Ngarindjiri race. I actually don't think that. I actually think he meant the human race. Because he spent 95 years advocating for us to be, to realize that we have much in common as human beings. He lived from 1872 to 1967. And he never saw the referendum, although he advocated for it for most of his life. And he changed the wool industry in the world through an invention that God gave him. Why would God use a Ngarindjini man to give him an invention about a shearing piece and peace? I reckon God's got a sense of humor. He's telling us that I can do anything with you if you let me. And I think that's how God reconciles things. I think that's the reason he made us different. So it would teach us how to behave. How to be truly honest with ourselves about who we are. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will what? He'll lift us up.
to be all that we're meant to be. It's really important. And reconciliation uh, for this year, the theme was what? It's just more than words or a word. It's about action. Yeah? How do we, how do we, how do we do reconciliation? Aboriginal Australia is 3%. So I'd expect that the majority of people in Australia will never meet an Aboriginal person. Just doing the math. You know? And I'm sure that you know, many people in this room maybe have never met an Aboriginal person. I might be the best one, I don't know. But you know, that's the importance of reconciliation. You know, there are lots of things that's happening in your community right now uh, that you maybe don't know about. The place at Uradler where, um, where the <coughs> men's things are going to happen, um, I have a good friend that lives there and he, he heads up a group in Milo Adventure Camping, ben, ben Hopkins, and so Ben and I have worked for 20 years together, um, good old Baptist. <laughs> and uh, we. Uh, We've created lots of programs, one at being Tumbling Youth Centre that's in between Strathalbyn and Mount Barker, which is a young person. And Tumbling in Ngarindji language means to awaken and live. And so Ben and I have been working on those sorts of programs for years. They're programs that people can actually help with or get involved with right now. Uh, Colbrook Re um, Reconciliation Group, I, I, I do some work with that group and they're just up on Shepherd Hill Road, there's lots of things that people can do in their community um, that can contribute to. You, know, you don't have to spend your life there, but if there's something that you want to do around reconciliation, there's, there's lots to do. And there's, there's people like-minded that want to do things. And I, <coughs> I, um, I've grown up in the church, uh, Rose and I have done some things in church. So in the city we, where we raised our kids and, and um, you know, I struggle with the institutional church, I'll be honest with you. But I love the church. Because we are the church. And there's a difference. Just like there's a difference between what reconciliation means. Yeah? And how we reconcile differences and when we fail and when, you know. I usually pick on husbands and wives or boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, when I talk about reconciliation, because it makes sense, you know, like when, when your husband, you know, uh, messes up again, you know, like, um, you know, he usually has to say, not only say sorry, but you know, don't do it again. <laughs> and that's really what reconciliation is. Because you know, sometimes if we don't say sorry to each other, it gets pretty cool at home. You know, we don't want it to be that cool for that long. But when we fix it, or when we try to reconcile, it usually moves on pretty quickly. Especially if we're genuine about it. Especially if we want to make a difference. Especially if we want life to be better. Especially if we're going to stick to what God says, and that is you know, to love our neighbour. Everyone. So, you know, it's really, from a Ngaranjiri perspective, even though lots of things have happened in that 179 years, We've had 54 years to move on and try to, try to make life better. And we're doing that with many different people. Yeah, and we have to, because we're all imperfect. 
we all fail, but we also all have the ability to respond by reconciling the, the, the areas where we've gone wrong and make it right. And God is so faithful that he gives us this ability to not only say sorry, but he forgives us constantly. And so why wouldn't we do that with our neighbor? So the humbling, you know, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord is really important. You know, to, to understand our shared history as a country is really important. Because if we can deal with our shared history, guess what? We can shape our shared future in a very different way. We don't have to live in our history, but our history certainly helps us about how we want to go forward. And I really know that as a, you know, I used to say to myself, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Remember when you said that to yourself? Oh, it might have been just me, I don't know. But that's really a personal sort of statement we make to ourselves about making change. Change that is good for us all. I'm going to finish there, but I really wanted to um, also give people an opportunity to ask questions if they wanted to. But I'm just going to say a little prayer to finish off. And if there's anything you want to ask, it'd be great to yeah, talk if you want to. All right, Listen, let me just pray for you. Pray to Nangai, Father. Um, Father, help us, um, the believers in Christ, who is our Redeemer, uh, to redeem what's taken place in our shared history in this country, and help us all to put into action together a shared future that pleases you. And helps us to understand um, that it's not about um, blame or it's not about a guilt trip or anything like that. It's about us as the people that you love, about us reconciling what you would have us do about what our future is going to look like. And so we, we ask for your help because we need it. We all need it. And you are so gentle in the way you treat us. May we be that with each other and our community out there, wherever they may be, and whoever they may be, as we move forward toward reconciliation together. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Maybe a little bit of a different way of thinking about reconciliation, but any questions? This is this is different, isn't it? What's the percentage of um, indigenous professors be Christians? That's a good question. Uh, I reckon there's about three percent of Christians in the country now. Like that's everyone. That's that's crazy, isn't it? To, to think that that our, con our churches are just diminishing in number weekly. Um, so if you could imagine um, the percentage for Aboriginal, Aboriginal peoples. Um, see, but you use a language which is a bit of a challenge. Christians or people of faith. And so we sort of talk about, do we think God was here before 1788? 
Yeah. Uh, but most of the missions were there to instruct native people about to become Christians. Like they didn't know who God was. So, you know, that, that's a challenge in itself. So you might, if you said that to a, a First Nations person, um, they're suggesting that that language is the language you use. Yeah, where they would say, no, we have faith, um, but our language says this. So, you know, I can't answer that question, but I can say that most of the communities that I know uh, are people of faith and are very, very spiritual. It's just different. Come on, all gay Baptist. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask politically, do you feel like you're moving forward as a people? What's happening in the Swedish forums? Or do you feel like you're going back with the current climate and debate around the issues? Around reconciliation? Yeah. Um, like, I think, I think reconciliation is really difficult um, for government because truth telling is a part of that. You know, a bit similar to what happened in South Africa and that old truth-telling process. I mean, if we have to tell the truth, that means we have to talk about ourselves. And sometimes people don't want to do that because it reveals things that maybe have been kept from people for so long, like for 179 years, for instance. That we, we, you know, that shared history that most of us don't know about and we never talked about or it was never really discussed. We, are, we know what we know, but then after that, what do we know? You know? Most of us know what we talked about at home, around the kitchen table, around the, yeah. But, you know, and, and that's some of the things that we have to work through. You know, that most of what we know, maybe um, uh, we need to do our own research, you know, like, you know, look into things deeply. Uh, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge for the church. It's a challenge for everyone. And politically, um, it's a challenge for them. Because <laughs> when we start talking about you know, our cultural framework and land, that's the critical issue. But you know, you'll find First Nations people uh, to be very generous and very caring about belonging to land, not owning land. Belonging to land. And how do we share that? And how do we live together? And you'll find that to be, you know, a strength of ours. Yeah. And, and look, no one's gone anywhere. We love where we live, all of us. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how do we do this together? That's the thing, yeah. That's the importance of reconciliation, relationship. How do we do things together for the best interests of everyone? Yeah. And how do we understand ourselves? How do we really identify Australians together? Yeah. They're, they're big questions that we need to ask. But thank you. Oh, okay. Depending on where you are, the context is always important of who you who you who you meeting with, right. or who you talking with. Ask them; they'll tell you. Hey? No, not at all. And just ask them, yeah, just like you. Huh? Like if you're, if you're talking about the situation generally, 
Oh, okay. Talk about reconciliation with First Nations people, they'll tell you what they want to be called. You know, like most people will say First Nations. I prefer Ngaranjali, but I know that not everybody can say Ngaranjali. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's really just, you know, it's really about building a relationship, the rapport. You know, like, you know, what do I call you? You know, like sister or Karen? Or, you know, we're all God's kids, yeah? but we relate like we're not. It really challenges for us to get over the boundaries we'll put up. Yeah. Martin, thank you. Um, it's not a question, it's a, yeah. a, a, kind of a bit of a plug. Yeah. Um, the group that Clyde's been traditionally involved with, uh, Australians Together, if you Google Australians Together and go to the website, uh, there's a series of four videos, I think they're 30 or 40 minutes long each, um, and they're intended for churches. So you go to Australia, it's, it's actually quite hard to find on the website. You go to the website Australians Together, click on churches, then click, I think, on education. If you scroll around it, you'll find there's four videos um, that we've been looking at in our life group, but um, they, are, they are really well put together. And I think they're partly historical, they're partly personal stories, but also, they're, they're deliberately produced to provoke Christians to think about what should be your response to it. So that's just a little advertisement for the yeah. Australians Together website. Yeah, and so we do things like that all the time. And we even do groups at Raukan and tours. And you know, just so that you know, it's building relationship, really. Relationship is key to everything. But um, thank you for your time. Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.